and welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and joining me in studio today is Dr. Will Shakespeare. He is Intermountain Healthcare's Medical Director of Surgical Operations and the Director of Anesthesiology. That's a big title, and it's an important thing, and we're going to be talking about something I think is going to revolutionize the way you think about surgery today. So, Dr. Shakespeare, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Rebecca. I appreciate you having us. What a pleasure. Also joining us in studio is Bill Evans. Bill, we are describing you as an opioid-free surgery patient, and that gets us into this topic. So you've had surgery without opioids, right? Yes, about a week and two days ago. That was just the other day. Yeah. And it was for appendix? Um, lymph, node, lymph node biopsy and appendix, and I have appendix removal. Okay. They removed some lymph nodes out of my groin area and mm-hmm. they removed my appendix. Right. And I'm familiar a little bit with the, I can't even say the word lymphectomy. Do I get that right, Dr. Shakespeare? Right. You're great. All right. So let's talk about it. Why did we have Bill Evans go under surgery without opioid use? I actually turned to Bill uh, to, to respond to that question. Bill, why is that? Um, well, past experience with surgeries, I used opioids. I got, uh, so in the early 2000s, I've had a few, couple knee surgeries, and I had another surgery that, a couple other surgeries that, um, you know, I had a lot of pain pills, got addicted to pain pills. Um, I've wound up losing my wife to addiction. My wife had passed away in overdose in 2009. I'm so sorry, Bill. And then my daughter, um, over two years ago, had overdosed and uh, on from prescription narcotics. Um, I've had a lot of friends I've lost, and so this time around, I don't want to be that. Didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be clean because I've been to prison, you know, due to my addiction. Um, I did seven months in prison. I've been out almost a year. And so I just didn't want to be that person no more. I wanted to try to do something different with myself to better myself because we really didn't. I didn't really need it. See, before before the surgery, I told Doctor Shakespeare and the surgeon, "I please let's do this opioid free." And I told him my story a little bit, and he was pretty fascinated with it. And so here I am, and it wasn't that bad. It was actually pretty pretty simple. I'm I've I've been up and at him, you know, and getting up and moving around and it's been it was wonderful i'm really grateful that this was here and this opportunity was here to go opioid free surgery because i had a knee surgery 10 months uh six months ago and i got hooked on opioids and everything again for about a month and a half and really thinking about i didn't really need them i was looking for that next high I get off the pit, off the op- opioids of, from the first time I ever had them, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't had them for a long time. I can keep doing this, and it wound up to other things. And, you know, I thank God that I got an opportunity to sit home, detox off them, and, and be able to come here and tell my story a little bit about opioid-free because it, it's either institutions or death for me, and I, I want to live. I want to be able to help other people with this addiction and be able to tell my story a little bit and let people know that gentlemen like Dr. Shakespeare here has other alternatives other than opioids, you know, and if you really, people are so scared to ask him, you know, but I just flat out told him, I just don't want it. You know, I don't. They're scared to ask them because they're afraid to reveal, like in the past, I've had an opioid use disorder. I don't want this doctor to think less of me. Is that what you're saying? The fear keeps them from having those conversations? Yes. And people are scared to do that. People don't want to, to tell 
a, a surgeon or a doctor or anybody that they've had past drug addiction because they're scared they're going to like, well, you know, we're just going to throw you out in the woods, you know, and mm-hmm. this and that. You don't get nothing. You know, you got to suffer, which that's not the case because I know they know the difference between giving somebody an opioid or not giving them an opioid. But I chose not to and it was – my recommendation is do it. Try it. Don't be scared. Talk to your surgeon, your physician about it because there's other alternatives than using opioids for aftercare of surgery. There's other medications they can give and Dr. Shakespeare will probably get with that. You know, I heard a little bit for telling about it and I know a little bit from my own experience and I'm very grateful. Is this the first patient? And, doc- and Bill, thank you. For having the courage to share that. You're welcome. And I'm sorry to know um, so personally how much your life has been hurt um, from uh, addictions. And so I'm so sorry about that because I think as a community, we were unaware of the real power of opioids and their ability to set people on the path for opioid use disorders and addictions. So, Dr. Shakespeare, was this the first patient that you were aware of that would have a surgery that's opioid-free? No, not by a long shot. And that's why it was uh, very providential that, uh, that Bill and I uh, met last week because uh, this is a, a project that uh, has been uh, a passion of mine for, for years. Uh, as, as Bill has told his story, there are a few of us that don't have a family that has been touched in some place by, by opiate addiction. Uh, that this is, this is an, uh, a pandemic uh, in the United States uh, that we are seeing far too many, we're losing too many people uh, to opioid uh, overdose. We're nationally lo- losing the equivalent of half the, st- the city of Sandy every year mm-hmm. uh, to opiate uh, use. And here in Utah, we are the seventh uh, leading uh, uh, state for uh, the opioid uh, epidemic, losing about two people a week to this. So this is something that that I, I've felt passionately about, and and uh, Intermountain Healthcare for the last six months has been ramping up this program. And so the fact that uh, that uh, Bill, who is is really the the quarterback of this uh, uh, experience, comes to to me last week, and uh, and when I meet him in the pre-op area, says I want to do this. Uh, surgery opiate free. I, uh, you know, start rubbing my hands and say, you, "You've you've come to the right place because this is we we see <laughs> yeah. eye to eye on this bill." Uh, I want to credit too. Uh, uh, if if you want to comment, Bill, on the conversation that you had with uh, your surgeon, Doctor Rick Rasmussen, about uh, about uh, your interest in doing this opiate free. So he he come into the surgery. I only met with him one time. Um, to go over my CT scan in his office. We didn't talk nothing about opioids then. But as I come into the surgery room, I'm in pre-op. He comes in and he says, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to write you out a few prescriptions. And right as soon as he hit the end of prescriptions, I says, uh, no, I don't want no opioids. I don't want the pain pills. And I kind of told him a little bit about my story. I says, I'm a recovering addict. I've I've been addicted to heroin and pills and all the opioids and everything. And methamphetamines to use as painkillers and from emotion, you know, like from loss and everything of coping, you know, to deal with pain, coping pain, emotional, physical, and mental. And so he's like, okay, and he puts his pen down and he says, that's that's really amazing you're telling me this, you know, and that's really cool. So the anesthesiologist, he's telling me the anesthesiologist, um, William Shakespeare will come in and Dr. Shakespeare will come in and, you know, you can talk to him more about 
pain-free, uh, sur- you know, opioid-free surgery. And so, you know, just not long after, Dr. Shakespeare comes in and I told him, you know, I want to do the opioid-free surgery. And I kind of was telling him my story a little bit. And the nurses were all standing there. And it was, like, pretty amazing that me, I, I was scared to even say anything at first. And, you know, my dad's sitting there just looking at me with a smile on his face, you know, and have my dad there with me, you know, and wanting to, wanting to step up to the plate and just try something different, you know, and do something and make these different decisions in my life instead of going the opioids because all it's going to do is resort me to either dying or back to prison. I uh, credit Bill with uh, uh, his uh, courage and his forethought to to want to uh, to take an experience which would be the perfect excuse to go back to having access yes. to opiates and make a premeditated decision that I don't want this uh, to be part of of this experience to, to trip up my forward progress. Uh, that's that's to his credit and. As we talk about opiate-free surgery, one of the uh, things that I want to point out is that uh, one of the best places to use this is in patients who uh, are trying to avoid uh, recurrent addiction, but that's one of many places that that we see benefits of this. We know that uh, opiates uh, are uh, are wonderful medications for their appropriate use uh, in cancer pain and in uh, severe acute pain. We have nothing better than opiates. Uh, we have, uh, but we also know that they cause all kinds of horrible side effects, uh, and th- those side effects uh, cause all of the uh, addiction problems uh, that that Bill has described. After his knee surgeries, he's sent home with uh, piles of of these pills that uh, that then uh, become habituating. And actually, we know that uh, from from big studies that. Uh, if you have a major surgery or a minor surgery, your biggest risk after that surgery is not a wound infection and it's not uh, to have uh, a surgical complication. Your biggest risk after a surgery is persistent opiate use. Uh, Eight to 20 percent of, of patients, between, uh, depending on the type of surgery, uh, will go on at three months to still be filling pain pills. Eight to 20 percent. Correct. And that's that's, That's dining long, statistics. Long after mm-hmm. the the physical healing should have uh, have been recovered, there's still uh, habituated uh, use of those. So, what does opiates. that tell you as a anesthesiologist? What that tells me is a few uh, things that are interesting. One is that uh, that that opiates at that point are serving a need that is not uh, the acute pain. And the other thing is that we, uh, as a medical community, are, are overplaying that card far too often. We know some interesting things from, uh, from studies on uh, the use of uh, opiates for, uh, for chronic uh, non-cancer pain, that uh, patients who uh, come into a pain clinic, there's one study uh, of 135 patients who are on opiates and want to see that it affects their lives and want to to discontinue those. They come in and have a two-week medical taper uh, off of those pain medications. And at the end of that uh, that two weeks, they have less pain, uh, better life function, and better coping skills. And so we have uh, uh, to step back there as a, a, a medical community and say, so before you had, when you were taking opiates 
for this chronic pain, you know, three months after a surgery, you had discomfort and you were taking the medications and you still had discomfort. And then we take you off those medications and you have discomfort but are more functional. And uh, something that, that you mentioned uh, about this this new uh, understanding of, of pain and, and a willingness to say, you're not going to have no no discomfort uh, at all. And yes, and- I, before we uh, started the interview, we talked about how we at one point thought when we're going through some kind of a medical um, experience, whether it be surgery or whatever, that we shouldn't feel any pain. And so we would get enough medication in our body to numb it completely. And in Bill's case, you shared that sometimes it also numbed emotionally for you too. So I had a couple of, of roles in there. And that there is a now a, a tide that has been turning because of physicians like you, Dr. Shakespeare, they're saying, wait a minute, we're learning that um, trying to get rid of all pain is actually problematic and that having a, a certain level of pain can be helpful for the um, the, the healing process. For one of the patient. fascinating things that I would add to that, Rebecca, is that uh, we are learning more about something that is called opioid-induced hyperalgesia. And what that uh, is uh, a, a high-flown way of saying is that uh, opiates actually increase your capacity to hurt over the long term. And so what we uh, there's a study in which they have uh, two sets of patients who are uh, having a hysterectomy. And one group of patients, they give a high dose of uh, fentanyl to during surgery. This is very routine. Uh, uh, the majority of surgeries uh, have uh, fentanyl administration. Um, one group gets a high dose of fentanyl and the other group does not. And then they look at, at after the surgery, so same surgery, same surgeons, they look afterwards and say, uh, use pain medicine as needed for your comfort. And the patients who had more fentanyl actually needed more pain medicine going forward. So in some ways, uh, more is less. Uh, and that's that's one point that I want to ask uh, Bill to comment on here is when we talk about opiate-free surgery or opiate-sparing surgery, one of the the misconceptions and fears that people have is that what we're saying is uh, – Soldier up! Uh, this is uh, we're we're going to give you the leather strap and and have like two hundred years ago, bite, bite right? And, yeah. <laughs> and what in fact we're talking about is that uh, we recognize that we have again over uh, overemphasized opiates as as uh, an easy option to treat pain. When in fact we have multiple other things. There's uh, growing evidence of uh, medicines like esmolol, ketamine, dexmedetomidine, uh, lidocaine magnesium, uh, several of these medications that have been uh, on the formulary for for years, their analgesic, their pain-controlling properties are increasingly being recognized. And it uh, is not a one-stop shop. It involves using these in a very calculated and uh, uh, dose-careful way uh, to assist in pain management. But But none of those are opiates. Right. None of those are mm-hmm. opiates, and none of them have the same uh, addictive, euphoric, uh, and uh, uh, breathing effects that uh, that opiates do have. And so, what we're finding is that when uh, when you give these medications, uh, as as we did to Bill, that uh, you have discomfort afterwards, but significantly less discomfort. Just like if we gave you opiates, you would have significantly dis- less discomfort, but not no discomfort. And so Bill can comment on what, what his experience was with this. 
You know, I think I think the experience was not that bad because I when I woke up from the anesthesia, I wasn't really so disoriented. I didn't know where I was at. You know, it's like my head wasn't spinning. I woke up. You could up breathe. And, huh? you, could, you could breathe. Yeah, I could mm-hmm. breathe all. Mm-hmm. You know, less oxygen because before with the opioids, like with the fentanyl and stuff that they do give us during the surgery, you know, they always had to keep putting oxygen on my nose, and I, it took me longer to get out of the hospital with the opioids. So I'd usually about two hours, sometimes three hours, I'd be sitting there waiting to leave. You know, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm really not because I'm my body is not functioning the way it should be because of the of the opioid use during the surgery. So this time I was out of the hospital within an hour after I woke up from anesthesia. And I was home. I was able to go move around more, you know. And yeah, there there's a little bit of pain, but I think my natural body, your body will naturally produce an endorphin that will help kill that pain naturally. And when you take when I, I feel like when I took opioids and I had the opi- opioid surgery, my body, I was in more pain when I woke up and when I went home than I was this time. I was in less pain. I was able to get up and go use the bathroom all on my own. I was able to walk up my stairs. I was being be able to drive home with my dad and be able to have a full conversation with him, you know, go home and tell my mom and my family exactly what had gone on during the surgery. I went downstairs the next day. I was out to lunch with my boss, you know, right out to, he took him, took me out that afternoon and went out to lunch. So I would highly recommend people to just really get that conscious thought of doing opioid free surgery because your function is going to be so much better and you're going to feel so much better inside and out thinking, oh, my gosh, it's only temporary. And during the surgery, you were still asleep. Yes. And right? I and unaware. You didn't feel any of that procedure. You woke up, but you were more alert, able to breathe. And, and the only reason why I brought up that breathing is having had many family members have different types of intensive surgery. Yes. Literally, I'm sitting by their side, and they say, I can't breathe. And I'm telling them, we're okay. We're watching your oxygen levels. And they literally, one of the effects, as Dr. Shakespeare had shared, the dangerous um, uh, life um, life-taking risks of opiates is that they do um, stop our respiration and 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 you know so too many opiates literally cause can cause that death and and so to remove that I think it's just extraordinary you were watching this for a few months though there was a project before um, Bill uh, and for those who have just joined us, this is Dr. Will Shakespeare. He's the Intermountain Medical Director of Surgical Operations, the Director of Anesthesiology. The patient who has been so wonderful to join us today is Bill Evans, and Dr. Shakespeare is his anesthesiologist. So. And I'll just corroborate uh, that our uh, evidence in the the 250 plus uh, patients and and more every day that we're doing uh, with these opiate free surgeries at Intermountain Healthcare uh, that data uh, substantiates what what Bill is is reporting with his uh, case with Dr. Rasmussen last week is that uh, without the opiates. Uh, these patients are waking up faster, like Bill does, uh, and and are more lucid sooner, and uh, the nausea uh, after uh, anesthesia has virtually disappeared in these cases. 
And uh, I hate nausea. Uh, people hate nausea. Uh, nausea is in some ways even worse than pain. Uh, and to have that be off the table because that's a, a known side effect of uh, the opiates uh, is is a huge uh, benefit. And so that's one point to, to emphasize is that opiate-free surgery is not a drudge. We're, we're not asking people to uh, to settle for less. Uh, we're, we're saying that, that this is a cleaner sharper experience uh, to, to get through. I also want to emphasize that this is not uh, compatible with all surgeries. Uh, uh, we, uh, <coughs> Bill was able to uh, have a surgery that was amenable to this, and he brought a mindset that was amenable to this. Uh, one uh, point to emphasize is that Bill had uh, pain medicine available at any point in his recovery. Uh, and this was a dialogue that, that he and I had beforehand when he uh, expressed his interest. I, I, I told him, I will make uh, non-opiate medications available to you afterwards. I had a, uh, an injection of an anti-inflammatory drug uh, available for him afterwards and, uh, and then some oral uh, medications, some, some Tylenol uh, available for him. Uh, but I said that you always have uh, opiates ordered and ready for you to ask the nurse for uh, at any point. And that's, that's an important uh, point to emphasize, that, that this is acute pain. And, and if there is, on top of what we can do with these non-opiates, still pain, we make that absolutely available. And to me, that goes back to the communication between the patient and the physicians. And I say multiple, right? Because you had your surgeon, right? You had your anesthesiologist having those conversations about the expectation of your care and post-op recovery. What do I do when the pain is at? Sure, go ahead. Well, yeah, the nurses are all there too, though. That's that's the amazing thing of it is when they, it's just not like the, the physician and and the the surgeon and the anesthesiologist it's it's more of a team effort with all the nurses because they all know you know they all communicate with each other it's just not two people doing three people doing it, myself dr shakespeare and the surgeon it's the nurses too cuz they they come in and they check on you they check everything and make sure but they know that you don't want it but they offer it you know they say are you sure you're okay you know and it's not, it's, it's there but it's just—it's a team effort between the whole surgical staff, just just not three people. It's it's everybody. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. We have about four minutes left in our interview, and I know people are going to have some questions as to how do I know whether or not I, if I'm having an upcoming procedure, whether I should choose opioid-free surgery, and 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 how do I have those conversations? So that's a great question, and and uh, that is the question. Uh, the reason that we're having this dialogue today is that we want more people to come in uh, as Bill did, saying, "How can I get through this with as little opiate as possible?" Because uh, of multiple reasons, because uh, I've had miserable experiences with anesthesia or surgery or opiates in the past where they make me sick, they uh, hurt my digestion or they give me a rash, uh, and we say there are options that we can uh, do this without or uh, to avoid the risk of, of having uh, opiates uh, 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 as part of your surgical experience, even if you don't have uh, a back background uh, of uh, substance uh, addiction history just to prevent that. Uh, we had a, a patient, uh, a young 17-year-old who he and his father came in for a knee surgery and had talked about this risk in advance and he asked uh, to have 
uh, opiate-free surgery and did great uh, with the pretty involved surgery. So all of those, uh, I think that it's, it's always the right question to ask. If you come in asking uh, your surgeon and your anesthesia provider uh, if uh, opiate-free surgery is an option, then we're having the right conversation. Uh, and uh, there will be uh, uh, cases in which we tell you this is a big involved surgery, and we will use all of the non-opioid medications that we can, and uh, and then we will have these medicines available uh, to treat your discomfort. And that is not a, a failure. That is uh, that is uh, that means that we have maximized. Uh, the fruits and vegetables, and then if you need some sweets on top of that, then 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 so so be it as well. Uh, and and really for big spine surgeries or for thoracic surgeries, uh, those are are going to need surgeries, but those are going to need opiates. But but even in those, we call those opiate sparing surgeries uh, and not necessarily opiate free surgeries. If you're having a carpal tunnel release or a uh, a gallbladder or a, a robotic surgery. Many of these are very amenable. It's, it's, to me, extraordinary information because we as a community are learning more and more about how um, powerful opiates are. And I hope, Bill, that when you're hearing Dr. Shakespeare say 8 to 20 percent of individuals who are prescribed opiates at surgery have issues with addiction three months later, that helps you understand that your body was reacting also in a way yeah. that it wasn't all choice, right? I'm, I'm, re- I'm really grateful to have somebody that is working towards this because, you know, I'm, it's, I'm just grateful to the, to Dr. Shakespeare because of what he's doing is an amazing, amazing project. And, you know, I just want to let people know, don't be scared. Don't, don't have those fears because a lot of these guys know, you know, they know how to make you feel better. They know how to, you don't be scared to say, Hey, I'm, I'm an addict. Don't be scared. Cause if when you get that scared, you can wind up right back in the same situation where before, you know, talk to these doctors, let them know what's going on with you. Don't, you know, and just, and communicate with them because yes, they are going to make you comfortable. They're not going to shut you down on everything, but yeah, they, they'll help you more through the process of not going back to, back to that opioid use. You know? And they, it's a powerful thing to advocate for yourself. Yes. To advocate yes. for your own health long-term. Yes. And it'll save your life. Yeah, absolutely. Bill Evans, thank you for your you're courage for sharing today. And I'm thank so you. glad a week after surgery, you're almost dancing the salsa down the hallway. So I'm yeah. <laughs> pleased to see that you're doing well. Dr. Shakespeare, thank you for your ongoing you, research on that. Talk to your physicians about it. If you want more information, you can read out, reach out to Intermountain Healthcare. There's a website, intermountainhealthcare.org. Dr. Shakespeare and Bill Evans, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you. Thank you.